It's so good to be with you all, and I see some familiar faces here, Dr. Barron and Beverly, and I see our neighbors, the Schaefers back there, and a few students. I saw McLean. McLean Kaler, where are you? I saw you come. There you are. Okay. And of course, Matthew, my son, and Barbara, and a few other folks. It's wonderful to be here with you and have fond memories of being with the Rodriguez's at Seminary Trinity School for Ministry. And we've told this story a number of times. Uh, when the Barretts left, uh, the Rodriguez's moved into our rent house. Uh, I didn't know until many years later that it was known as the Barrett House. And I, I think after the Rodriguez's graduated and moved on, it was the Rodriguez House. But uh, we have wonderful memories, uh, shared memories there. And um, as he introduced me, I am the chaplain at St. Edward's School. This is the beginning of my third year. I can't believe it's been that many years. And uh, it's been a great ministry. Uh, my wife, Barbara, has started a prayer ministry there known as the Pips, the Parents in Prayer and Service. And uh, Christine Kaler is involved in that and a number of other women. And it's been a, a, a very important and important aspect of the, the ministry there, the a prayer, a prayerful ministry that uh, I've, uh, through which I've seen lots of fruit in the time that I've been at St. Edward's, and uh, really thankful to be here preaching uh, from the, the pulpit. Uh, last year was a really difficult time at St. Edward's, not just because of COVID, but many of you in the community know that we lost a member of the senior class just before he graduated at the end of the year, a tragic loss. And I want to personally thank Father uh, Gritter and Father Rodriguez for helping me and our school through that time. And um, we continue to uh, navigate the waters uh, of, of, uh, of our, our time as a school uh, through uh, this difficult time of COVID-19. But thanks be to God, we're open, and uh, there's a viable ministry there. Uh, I want to go ahead and open in prayer uh, after that lengthy introduction, so please bow your heads in prayer with me. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Father God, as it, is, as it says in the first chapter of the epistle written by James, uh, we can call upon our Lord God and Father for wisdom. And even though I have prepared a sermon today, Father, I pray for your wisdom, the power of your Holy Spirit, not just to be with me, but to be with all of us and to give us a sense of your loving presence. Help us to stand strong in the knowledge of your love for us and uh, our call to work out our faith in good works. Uh, rather than to be tossed about by doubts uh, like a sea, uh, a wave of the sea, as it says in this amazing epistle. You know, we ask these things, Father, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Great to be with you once again. This is the third of, I believe, four uh, preachings on the epistle that James wrote, and I, uh, my task at hand provided to me by Father Gritter was to uh, help us to look at what life looks like once we are saved. And um, the title of my sermon is Seeking God's Wisdom versus Seeking the Wisdom of the World, and a subtitle is James's Pearls of Wisdom. James's Pearls of Wisdom. Uh, James calls us to a vital Christian life. It, it's it's a, a, a short book, five chapters long, and it's a favorite of many people. It is direct, it is decisive, it's clear-cut, it's even hard-hitting where we perhaps need to be hit hard. Uh, James does not mince words. Um, he got the attention of his first-century readers as he gets our attention. Uh, James, uh, excuse me, uh, Johann Herder, a German scholar, wrote of the um, 
of James, the writer of this epistle, he said, what a noble man speaks in this epistle. Deep, unbroken patience in suffering, greatness in poverty, joy in sorrow, simplicity, sincerity, direct confidence in prayer. What he wants is action. Action, not words, not dead faith. So I want to zero in on that word vitality uh, and really kind of emphasize that, that our faith works its way out in actions. And, and I think that that is the, uh, the, the, the mother pearl, if you will, among all of the pearls of wisdom in the epistle of James. This, this idea that our faith needs to be actively, vitally worked out with good works, works that are pleasing to God. I love how God moves in people, and they come together, and what we've been talking about in the chapel services, uh, in the lower school chapel, we talked about the gospel reading today, and in the upper and middle school chapels this past week, we talked about James, and my theme this year is called Faith Works, and I'm using that as a double entendre in the sense of a sentence, subject, and verb. Faith works, period. <laughs> I'm trying to tell the students, this, this faith thing we're talking about, it's the real deal. You can trust in God, you can believe in God, and it works. Your life is changed and transformed by it. But I also, another, another meaning of it is, 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 is two nouns, faith and works. And uh, I brought in a speaker, uh, Cheryl Vitito, from Habitat for Humanity. I know some people work with Habitat here in this this church. She came in to speak to the upper school students this past Wednesday, and she, um, she, she talked about the importance of living out one's faith. She said, I was a CEO on Wall Street for many years. I uh, decided at one point when I got to the pinnacle of my career, something was missing. And she had a vital faith, but she realized, I need to pour into my life more of God's works for what He's done for me. And she found her way to doing philanthropic work, found her way here to work with Habitat for Humanity. And so she spoke into the lives of our kids. This is a little bit of my strategy at St. Edward's, by the way. So listen closely. We, we, we worked at Habitat. Our first Habitat build was yesterday morning. So she came in to kind of prop it up and bolster it up and propel it along. And, and, and only a certain number of kids had signed up before she spoke, but directly after her sermon Eli Cleveland came up to me and said, Father Barrett, I'd like to work at Habitat this coming Saturday. And there Eli was after his football game late into the night, Friday night, got up early, and he was there at the site. Two other boys emailed me later in the evening that day on Wednesday, and they signed up too. And we had a great day yesterday. And I said at the end of it, what do you, what do you all think? Do you want to come back next Saturday? We're coming back on Saturday. And they said, yeah. And, and this is my point. Once we have faith and we act it out, something vital happens. And we want more of it. And that, they, they got a taste of that. It was just a few kids. That's my strategy at St. Edward's. Hint, hint. Get this faith thing under your wings and you will soar with it. You'll never want to go back. And it was a beautiful day yesterday morning. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. 
For walk, we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm trying to teach them these wonderful things that we can also hear today. Faith seems so crazy. It's, it's blind faith, right? But there's something we understand deep in our hearts that Jesus has done for us that we carry out in our daily life. That's the mother pearl of the epistle of James, that focus on faith that is lived out in good works. But the other pearl is from our epistle reading, the first reading today. And uh, this is what we are going to really focus on now, focusing on a godly wisdom versus a worldly wisdom. And the opening of the reading in verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And one of the things James is talking about is that the, the teachers, the leaders in the church, that is, they're wrangling, they're arguing, they're showing bitter ambition and selfish jealousy. I got those reversed, but it all, it all means that they're, they're not seeking out God's wisdom with a spirit of meekness. And in the Sunday school class, we had some wonderful answers in there that meekness is, is strength with a sense of self-control, temperance. Um, it's, it's, it's not a weakness that, as the world interprets meekness to mean, it's, 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 it's submitting yourself to God and His wisdom as leaders, as we as followers of Christ go through our decision-making process of working together, not as lone rangers, not as beating to the, the beat of our own drum, but, but in concert with each other in a way that's fruitful to God and according to His wisdom. It's a bridled and harnessed self-control, one of patience and humility and submissiveness to God's ways and to the mind of Christ. It's different from the wisdom that the world thinks wisdom as. It's just merely thinking knowledge. It's something that goes on in the heart and the mind together in the total Hebraic meaning of the word in conjunction with God's will. James, he knocks us off our high horse of pride when we hear this word, meekness of wisdom. There's no sophistry involved here. But if you have bitter and jealous and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. He wants our faith to be consistent with our way of living, our conduct, the way we conduct ourselves. Do we always get it wrong? We don't. But this is all the more reason we need to be looking into God's pearls of wisdom in books like James, the epistle that James wrote. Infighting, going for one's own gain, backbiting, James says are not signs of God's wisdom. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it is earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. And in some of the translations, unspiritual is translated into sensuous, our, 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 our lusts, our own pleasures. Um, it gets into the, the Greek there relates to the word hedonism. And again, James is hitting really hard here. He's telling them, you've been saved. Why are you acting this way? And I think this is the importance of why churches... Uh, bodies that um, submit themselves to Jesus Christ need to be very clear about how they choose their leaders, not just priests, but vestries and members of committees uh, to choose 
folks who are not just true in their faith, but who are discerning and prayerful of God's wisdom to make sure that as they make important decisions, it's, it's done in a uniform way, a unanimous way, and is from God. So here we go. Verse 17, the wisdom from above is pure, first of all, then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, doesn't show favoritism, between rich and poor, as it says earlier in the epistle of James. It's sincere. It's practical. It's unifying. It brings peace. Um, some commentators have said that this passage, even though Jesus is not mentioned a lot in this, this book of conduct, this book of wisdom, some commentators argue, and I think effectively and rightly so, that we see Christ embodied, incarnated in the wisdom of God coming down from heaven. And that was demonstrated in the beautiful gospel reading we heard today. A harvest is sown in peace by those who make peace. So passions, hedonism. Um, I think the world is rife with things like that, seeking our own pleasures. This passage says uh, we need to really focus on receiving pleasure and joy from God because the pleasures of the world end up actually backfiring on us. They promise to be fulfilling. They promise that, but they end up not being that. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians chapter 5, says he gives us a list. He unpacks it even more than James does. He says, live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I wish people during rush hour on Indian River Boulevard as I drive to school would drive instead with these virtues, the fruit of the Spirit, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Come on in. I'll make room for you rather than being cut off. Has anyone been cut off driving around Vero recently? I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against these things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also step with the Spirit in our conduct. Let us not be overcome by conceited behavior, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. Paul, amen to James. I want to emphasize uh, the gospel is not a killjoy message. It may seem that way to some. Jesus came to give us abundant life, fulfillment, and joy. And um, James really hits hard here in a clearly delineated way. Seek the things of heaven and not the things of earth. I listened to a conference this week by a gentleman by the name of Russell Moore, and the title of his lecture was Humanity, Alienation in the Age of Technology. And basically, he said, we as human beings have been alienated from one another because of technology. We're living in a highly and increasingly highly focused world 
focused on technology. And he unpacked that in an hour and a half. It was fascinating. He exhorted us to go back to the teachings of the church, to really abide by the teachings of the church, and to be savvy to those things of the world that are coming through to us in technology, in social media, things that, oh, thank you. Come back here, stole. My errant runaway stole, excuse me. I want to say, I want to kind of build off of this as I draw close to some passages here, some focus on application, that um, this week in the Wall Street Journal on the front page was a series of five or six articles focused on Facebook. The Facebook files, they call them. Front page, main article. One of them, Facebook, it tried to make a platform healthier It got angrier instead. Facebook staff flags traffickers and cartels, but the company's response is weak. Facebook knows Instagram is toxic to teenage girls, its research shows. And it goes on. Um, The world is confusing. There's a lot of world in these articles that I just mentioned. I'm just mentioning the titles to you. But we have to be worldly wise as Christians to know how to step into these articles and see what is of God and what is not. There's a lot in the news, there's a lot in the world, I argue, influences us in a way that it wants us to look and seem and appear. There's a lot in the world that deceives us with what success looks like, that shapes us in its own image rather than in God's image. There's a lot in the world, in these articles, for instance, that distract us from God and from His wisdom. As I mentioned, we had a really rough time, a rough season at St. Edward's last spring, and I had a very difficult baccalaureate sermon to deliver. And at the end of it, I told the students, um, we have a a t-shirt around here that says, we run the ship. It's a very positive message. The whole crew's involved in running the ship. But I said to them, there are times in life, such as back last May, when we have to really remember God's place in our lives. We have to cling to the mast of our ship when we're floundering, when things seem to be breaking up. We have to keep our eyes on the prize, the upward calling, as Paul calls it in Philippians chapter 3 of what is most important in life, and to keep our eyes on that prize of the upward call is found in Jesus Christ. And I told them, on the ship, you need to go up to the crow's nest. You need to climb up the rigging. You need to go up there, not just during difficult times, but daily. And it's something I want to exhort us all to do in our role, our lives as disciples to go up to that place that's closest to God, to get away from the busyness and the chaos and the confusion of what's going on on the deck of our ships, right? And to go up there, to draw closer to Him in our quiet time each day, in our worship each Sunday. It's the place where we can get our marching orders from God anew and afresh by plumbing the depths, the pearls of wisdom in His Scripture. It's the place 
where we can feel the wind on our face and hear God's still, small voice speaking to us, I love you. I care for you. I have a better plan for you. You're my child. And I told the students that. I think some of them heard. It takes solitude. It takes being in a body of believers. It takes being in the Spirit of God, examining with the Spirit in us how we need to redirect ourselves, how we need to continue to know God's love and joy for us and to hear His consoling voice, His strengthening voice. As a way of finishing, I'd like to point out that God is our treasure. The earth promises lots of treasure for us, but God is our treasure as found in Jesus Christ. And I hope that you can today, at this moment, hear Him calling you. You may know His unfathomable love for you, reaching down into your soul, that you can in turn call upon Him in your moments of deciding, seeking His wisdom, His will in His kingdom. Matthew chapter 13 says, Jesus said these words, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And this is the cost of discipleship, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. It's worth that much. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, help us to go up to the crow's nest daily and to seek your wisdom in our big decisions and in our small decisions. Father, we are taught in the Bible to live in the world but not to be of the world. Help us to know that our treasure is in you. And when we come down from the crow's nest into the confusion and the challenging life on the deck of our ships, help us always to remember where our true treasure lies and to share that with others. And as it says in the famous hymn, Be thou our vision, O Lord of our heart, not be all else to us save that thou art. Thou art best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence our light. Be thou our wisdom, and thou our true word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and everybody said, Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.